Okay, that's kind of fun. That kind of was retro. To those of you who are younger, that little graphic was a cassette tape, everyone. Um, I remember... I remember when I got the Michael Jackson Thriller cassette tape, I was pumped. No judgment, okay? I was, I was 12, don't judge me. Um, hey, um, if you have your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 12. Um, we're in this series that we're starting called Everyday Disciple. And that's such an important concept. Because God has called us to walk with him every day. And to be a, a follower of Christ that connects with him every day. And one of the things I want us to do this morning is before we jump into Luke chapter 12, I want us to connect a very important dot to to our Bible reading. As a church, if you're visiting today, as a church this year, we've been challenging one another to read through the entire Bible. And that's that's a hard discipline, right? And and I know it's easy to get discouraged on that and maybe to to stop doing that, but I, I... but, but I want to challenge you to jump in where we are. Even if you've gotten behind, don't try to catch up. Jump in where we are. There's a, there's a really cool psalm, Psalm 119. And it's, a long, it's the longest psalm in the Bible. It's, uh, it speaks to how magnificent the Word of God is, the Bible is. And, and, and you know... There's a verse in Psalm 119.105 that says, Your word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. And I want us to just connect a very important dot to our Bible reading today. Today, we read Luke 21. It's fascinating that we would be in that chapter the day after Israel was attacked. Man, we're not that good to try to tie the, that in, as in from a human perspective. You ought to, you ought to pay attention to that today. That, that, the end of, of Luke 21 talks about let's, let's be alert. And, and I'll tell you, if that doesn't make you alert, you're not reading close enough. We also were in Ezra going into Nehemiah. It's really fascinating as you consider the people of God had returned to the Lord. And they returned to him because they were away from him. They had turned away from the Lord. And they'd started, and, and here's what happens. When you turn away from the Lord, that leads to a path that is, it's not rocket science, it's away from the Lord which produces disobedience. And then with that come the consequences of sin that are devastating every time. And it's really important to recognize uh, as you get into Ezra, end of Ezra, and into Nehemiah, as they were coming back to the Lord and the consistent pressure to, to not turn to the Lord, not acknowledge the Lord. And even in the end of Ezra, they were struggling with that as well. Then we also read Psalm 131 today. Now, I want you to look at that one. Turn, turn to Psalm, keep your finger in Luke 12, but turn to Psalm 131. This is not on your screen or anything, but, but I want us to just connect a dot here in Psalm 131. This is a short psalm that we were in today. And it says, O Lord, my heart is not lifted up. My eyes are not raised too high. 
I do not occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me. David's writing this, and he's basically summarizing this, this, he's making the statement that I'm not prideful because, God, I need you. I need you every day. And, and you know, I think this is so very important to connect this dot because because I've heard some go, ah, this is hard to be in the Word every day. Let me tell you, you need the Lord every day. You need his word every day. And, and, and David writes this, like, Lord, I need you every day. Look at verse 2. But, but I have calmed and quieted my soul. He, 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 this is David writing. He's like, I've learned, I've grown up, and I've learned to calm my soul, to quiet my own soul. This is an incredible skill. For us to learn, and as we grow spiritually, we learn not to worry, not to let our anxiety out of control. We, we learn to quiet our own soul. And then look at, look at it, it goes on. Like a weaned child with its mother. Like a weaned child is my soul within me. What's a weaned child? A weaned child is one that can go to the bathroom by him, by himself or herself. How many of you love that in parenting when you were raising your kids? Like, man, I wish we could have jumped ahead to that one. It's a child that can feed himself or herself. You know, I remember the long lunches or dinners with my kids going, come on, open up. There's the choo-choo train, you know. But spiritually, David is writing, I'm like a weaned child. Um, is my soul within me. O Lord, O Israel, it says, O Israel, hope in the Lord from this time and forevermore. And you see David writing today. This is in our reading today. Look, my fears and my anxieties, I've learned to be a, a child that can eat myself, feed myself. And I, I learned to, you know, he's with his mother, so he's with the parent. But, but, uh, but the hope, and there, there's real trust in the Lord. And, it, and, it, and I want to connect this dot because we're in Luke chapter 12 dealing with anxiety today. And, and I'll tell you, it's fascinating because let's connect the dot to our culture. Um, you know, anxiety and fear are reaching levels that are just astronomical. I've never seen it like this in, in my lifetime. Uh, of the, the, the way anxiety is gripping people in our society. In fact, like, I, I don't know, uh, counseling, Christian counseling is good. Professional Christian counseling is good. I've been to one. My, Robin and I have been to a professional counselor in our lives. Um, and we need Christian counseling. I would say to you, don't go to non-Christian counseling. Do not do it. It's, it's foolish for you to go to non-Christian, a non-Christian counselor. And we can, that's a different sermon. But, but it's, it, 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 there's a, a, a really clear 1 Corinthians 1, 18 and 19 principle for non-Christian counseling. It's just foolish. 1 Corinthians 1, 18 and 19 speaks to this. I'm not going to go into it right now. But 
But have you noticed that even if you go to Christian counselors, there's a waiting period. They are so booked up because anxiety is out of control. And I want to connect the dot, to, and I, want to, I, want, I pray that God's Word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. I want to invite you to be a part of our reading daily, because the Lord is at work moving us to be everyday disciples. And you realize that my job is to, is to help you to feed yourself. I struggle with that complaint that I hear among some, some preachers. Oh, I'm not going to go to that church. That pastor doesn't feed me. You realize that's not a pastor's job, right? You're to feed yourself. That's a very clear 1 Timothy principle. You're to learn to feed yourself. My job is to teach you how to eat. Teach you how to feed yourself, not just eat, right? Let me, let me get that right. And, and so God speaks to our anxious thoughts, and that's what we're going to look at today. Luke chapter 12 starting in verse 22. Let's stand and allow God's word to just lead us. Let's let it be a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Verse 22. And he said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. For life is more than food and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They, they have neither storehouse or barn, yet God feeds them. Of much more value are you, are you than the birds. And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his lifespan, his span of life? If then you are not able to do as small a thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass, which is alive in the field today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you? O you of little faith. And do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink, nor, nor be worried. For all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your Father knows that you need them. Instead, seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to, bring you, to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And this is the word of the Lord. Thank you. You may be seated. Now let's, let's look at this passage and let's let, it, let God's Spirit speak to us today. Look at verse 22. And he said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. For life is more than food, and the body is more than clothing. Consider the ravens, they neither, neither sow nor reap. They, they have neither storehouses nor barn, and yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? You, you know, this passage is reminding us that so often we worry about things that don't matter. We worry about things that are, that are misplaced, that are not kingdom-oriented. 
And sometimes we allow worry to just paralyze us. And and God is saying, look, I I, want to give you some guarantees for the future. I mean, God has some guarantees for us. God speaks to us, and, and, and I want us to recognize this, that God has, has spoken, and God has made some promises us, for us that we can stand on. And, and, and one of the things I want you to recognize is that God helps you through everything that happens. You know that, right? Everything that happens in your life, God's going to help you through it. And one of the things that I, that I pray for you this week is, and, and this is a specific challenge, I pray that, that we notice the birds this week, that, that we notice every bird that flies by. And, and I, I want to challenge you to pay attention to the birds. And, and as you're driving, as you're walking, as you walk out to get the mail, I pray that you see the birds. And it reminds you that God is going to provide for you. God, God, it says right here in verse 24, consider the ravens. Consider these birds. They neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse or barn and, barn, and yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? Now, this isn't saying you should not have a barn or have a plan for the future. It's not saying that. It's saying, where is your trust? Your trust is in the Lord. He wants you to notice the birds. There, He takes care of them. He provides for them. And you are more valuable to him than them. And so it's so very powerful. It's so very insightful. And, and really what he's saying here is that the Holy Spirit is going to sustain you. The Holy Spirit is going to lead you. God is going to guide you. He's going to provide for you. He sees what you don't see. Even if you are in a really dark time, I want you to know God sees what's around the corner. Um, I I have to pay Dave Craig $5 today because he was in the first service. Dave Craig is a member of our church, and I'm about to use him as a sermon illustration. And that's a rule in my house. If I use you as a sermon illustration, I owe you five bucks. Um, But Dave is a fascinating guy in our church. He actually works in Detroit but lives here. And he is, is a brilliant guy. He's so very smart. He, uh, he is developing, he's kind of one of the lead guys developing self-driving cars for GM. And, um, and he's just this mind that is just gifted by God that grew up in Woodward, Oklahoma. Because uh, farm people, people who grow up on a farm, you ought to always have people in your life that grew up on a farm because they just know stuff, right? Um, and Dave is one of these country boys that is just smart. And, um, and I said to him today, I said, Dave, I, I'm going to give you an idea today, and I, we want the royalties for our church because I've given you this idea in this room. Unfortunately, he said this is already being worked on. Um, but, but how many of you are so annoyed when somebody is driving in front of you on a two-lane road and they're going slow and you can't pass them? Anybody frustrated about that? I am. Golly, it drives me nuts. And I'm like, you pokey person, move your car. But you can't pass. Now, maybe that's another sermon. It might be good to be patient when you're driving. And that's, look, I need Jesus too, right? Um, but, but here's the thing. We ought to develop a technology. And David told me this morning, this technology is being developed where, where cars 
can see around the corner. Cars are being developed that they're going to talk to each other down the road so you could pass somebody on a curvy road and won't that be awesome? But he also says, hey, it's going to stop you. Uh, it'll recognize that cars are stopping and you're just going to stop. And then we're going to get out and start kicking our car because it stopped, but it's actually saving your life. Um, but so anyway, fascinating times to live, right? Where cars are smart, smarter. Um, fascinating. But you know what's interesting? Now, I want you to connect this dot. God can already see around the corner. God knows what's ahead. And this is what it means to be a follower of Christ. This is what God's word is telling us, that look, lean to him, lean into him, trust in him, walk with him. Because there are times in our lives, no matter how advanced we get in technology, here's the truth, we will be worried about the future. You will have anxiety about the future. But can I tell you something? God sees what you can't see. And even if you're going through a tough time, and maybe the toughest time you could ever imagine, Let me tell you something, God is faithful even when you can't see it. And God is at work in your life even when it's a time of fear. And when you face anxiety, you don't have to let it paralyze you because God leads you. God has a plan for you. And and you might say, well, Chris, I'm going through one of the toughest times in my life. Well, consider Psalm 138. It says this, though I walk in the midst of trouble... You preserve my life. You stretch out your hand against the wrath of my enemies, and your right hand delivers me. The Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. Your steadfast love, O Lord, endures forever. Do not forsake the work of your hands. And God promises that he has a plan for you. He has a purpose for you. And this is what God's word reveals. And we are to be people that live by faith and not by sight. And because of that, when tough times come, when anxiety comes our way, we learn to give it to the Lord, to trust the Lord, to trust his plan. And you see, the lost world misses this because so many that don't know Christ will, will see tough times and go, see, where's God? Why, where is God in the midst of that trial? And, and we've seen this. Harrison was in the first service today. And, and, um, and, you know, some would look at that situation and go, man, where is the Lord in all this? But a lost world doesn't understand that it's in the times of intense trials where God is the most powerful and most real in our lives. That God's word is the most clear in our lives. And even in the midst of world uncertainty, and oh my goodness, Israel is in a war, and, and we look at, the, at Luke 21 and go, oh my goodness, is this... Is this the, the birth pains of the coming of Christ? That makes anxiety rise. But, but you know what? Probably. I think, I think so. That this is the beginning of the birth pains of the coming of Christ. But, but look, as a Christian, we don't, that doesn't paralyze us. We get to work. We trust the Lord. We put our mind to the purposes of God. And, and, and it's in the midst of trial and difficulty that God's not going, oops, I didn't, I didn't see that coming. No, God is going, look, I've got a plan for your life. I've got a plan for even your pain. And look at verse 25. And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? 
And I think this is interesting. Like, like, like you can't even add an hour to your life. And then I think the, Jesus says, if then you are not able to do a, as small a thing as that. I mean, to me, I think that's a big thing, right? Like, like the day that I, I, I go to be at the Lord, that seems like a big thing. But, but, but Jesus says, you cannot add a single hour to, his, to your life. He's, he's referencing a, a biblical principle in Psalm 139, verse 16, that says, uh, like, you saw my unformed substance. Um, you, you saw me in my mother's womb. You knit me together. Uh, all the days ordained for me were written in a book before one of them came to be. And Jesus very clearly says, you have no power to add an hour to your life. That's why I get frustrated with doctors at end-of-life situations where they, they really think that life is in their hands. Let me tell you something. We don't have that kind of power. Our lives are in the hands of God. And he has written it our last day in a book before one of our days came to be. And he says, if then you are not able to do a small thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? It's a good question. Why are you anxious about your life? Why should we be anxious about our business or our life? We not say that we shouldn't be concerned and we shouldn't put effort forth. It's not saying don't do those things. It's saying don't be anxious. Trust the Lord. And, and this is what we know, that God's perspective can calm your anxious thinking. And, and, and this is why we need God's perspective on our lives. We need, we need to know God's Word. And, and this is why I'm convicted that in spite of our access to the Bible, we live at the most biblically illiterate time in the history of the world. And, and for us to, to, to know the Word of God, it's why as a pastor, I'm, I'm passionate about making sure that when we get up and preach, anybody from this pulpit that gets up to preach, we're not just given a TED Talk or some kind of self-help thing. No, we're going to look to the Word of God because His Word is a lamp to our feet, a light to our path. And that's why without apology, we push one another, be in the Word. Turn your face to the Word of God. Learn how to grow up in your faith. Learn how to eat yourself. And though I, I realize that I've had people say, oh, you know, Chris, it's really hard to read the Bible every morning. Well, can I, can I just say to you, it's, it's probably not going to be hard for you to eat today, right? Because you get hungry. Your stomach starts growling. And you recognize, oh, man, I need this. Well, you know what? A disciple every day recognizes, Lord, I'm hungry for you. I need you today. I need your word today. I need to look to you today. And this is the push and the challenge to be a disciple every day, to be in the Word every day. And I don't want you to miss how God helps us connect the dots to His Word with what's going on in our world. And it's brilliant of God to have the dots connect to our reading today about anxiety and God's reminding us, look at verse 27, consider how the wildflowers grow. You should consider the birds. You should consider the wildflowers. They do not labor or spin. 
Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. You know, we scattered some wildflower seed in our little garden in our backyard. They have absolutely taken over. I have these, I can't remember what they're called. Uh, Robin knows. They're as tall as I am. And, and God tells us, consider these flowers. They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you that Solomon in all his splendor was not dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you? Oh, you of little faith. I anticipate that after last yesterday morning and this morning, it's kind of cold outside. Those flowers are just going to go away. And, and I, I sat outside today in the chill and considered the flowers and thought, wow, Lord, you're calling me to be a man of faith. And I think it's interesting that he looked at his disciples here and said, oh, you have little faith. You know what God's reminding us is that he sees you. I don't want you to miss that. God sees you. He moves in you, and, he, and as a follower of his, he's directing you, he's convicting you, he's, he's, he's growing you, he's challenging you. So like 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18 says this, so, so we do not lose heart. Though our outer self, our, our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. And so we don't lose heart as a follower of Christ because though our bodies, like I'm 52 right now, and, and man, I, I mean, things hurt a little more, and I can feel the body wasting away. But then God's Word is new every day, and I'm like, oh my goodness, so blown away at just our reading today. And this inner self is being renewed day by day. It goes on in 1 Corinthians 4. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison as we look not to the things that are seen but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient but the things that are unseen are eternal. And we recognize that behind every problem there's a purpose. Behind every challenge we face there's an eternal purpose that God is at work in our lives and I can't always put my finger on it. My wife and I prayed right over here with Harrison and his whole family this morning. And in my prayer, I said, Lord, I don't understand the purpose of this trial, of this challenge. But I thank you, Lord, that, that every firefighter in Oklahoma is thinking about you because they're watching Harrison. That there are people on the internet that are sending them messages going, man, God is using them. They don't even know their name. They don't even know them. They're getting letters and cards like, I don't even know this person. God's using them. I don't understand God's economy all the time. But I'll tell you what, I, I know enough of the Bible to recognize that we should never lose heart when we face trials. We should never forget that God is working a purpose in us that's greater than we can see. 
that God's at work in your life, that God is teaching you and leading you. Find every problem, there's a purpose, and you don't have to be afraid because God's going to help you gain his perspective. He's going to help you through every difficulty. And that's why verse 29, and do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it. For the pagans, the pagan world runs after all such things, and your father knows that you need them. God knows what you need. And God tells us that he's going to help us walk through that maze of decisions in your life. We all have a maze of decisions. We all have challenges to, to work through, whether it comes to our jobs or our, 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 our lives, our, our, our families. We have a maze of decisions. But God promises that he's going to help you. He knows what's going to happen in your life. He has a plan for you. So, so what, what we must be is a people that don't miss God's plan for life. And you could miss it. You could miss his plan. You could miss his will. People do that all the time. And God doesn't force you to follow him. It's interesting to me as I've been a pastor. I can't tell, me, tell you how many times that I've been with somebody in my office and they said, hey, Chris, you're my pastor. I want to ask you how, what to do about this situation or that situation. And, I, and you know, many, mo- most people go, man, I, I'm going to follow God's word. That's what most people do. But I've had, had the, the, the memorable ones that have looked at me and said, man, I see that, but I'm not going to do that. I was like, okay. Well, this isn't my advice. I mean, this is what God said. This is what God tells you to do because that's going to be more valuable than my advice. Yeah, I'm not going to do that. And, they, and then I watch them just fall off a cliff. And, you know, here's the point. I want you to recognize God promises to help you through every decision you make. There's not a decision that bugs the Lord. Every business deal you have, every investment you make, every situation in your family. I pray that, that our, in our families that, that we, we come together. Lord, what, what should we do? I can think about coming here as the pastor. We sat down with our children. Hey, let's pray about this. They were little. Maggie was a little clueless but because she was in the second grade. And, you know, but Eric and... And Emily, yeah, whatever her name is. Sorry, Emily, she's right back there. <laughs> My eldest child. <laughs> um, I started thinking about all the conversations with Maggie, and it got me off there for a second. Sorry, Emily. Thanks for having my grandson here coming up. Um, but, but, you know, we asked them, let's pray about this. And you know what? When we moved here and it got tough and there were times that were hard and we were like, oh, man, this is challenging. Now we can look back and go, oh, my goodness, God moved in their lives. Emily and Eric both met their spouses here. And we're really happy about that. And so I want you to recognize in the maze of decisions to learn to seek the Lord 
God has a plan for your future. And I want to just push you. Are you, challenge, are you following his plan? Are you looking to him? We know this. We know Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. But trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. And so, this is the issue when it comes to making decisions about your future. Who are you listening to? Are you, are you listening to yourself? Are you going to Twitter or um, Google reviews? I mean, are you going to uh, likes? It's a fascinating world we live in. We are perfecting the art of following the crowd in our culture. And you know what my prayer is? Is that we are not one that gets sucked into that. We are a people that look to the Lord, look to his word. Um, Marcus Penner, who's a member of our church, even just looking at finding a church, you may be visiting a church. Marcus said something that was I've never heard before, and it was incredibly insightful. As they were thinking about joining here, he said to me, I don't want to join a church unless I discover what that church is praying for. That's a great measure of how to join a church. What is that church praying for? If you're wondering about what we're praying for, every Wednesday we have a prayer guide that goes out at noon. It's in a MailChimp. I don't even know what that is, but somebody set that up. You ought to, you ought to be on that. You ought to pray on Wednesday nights for us. We, have a, we print it out every Wednesday, what, our church, what, we're, we're asking, what I'm asking you to pray for. I feel like that's something as a pastor I ought to be smack in the middle of. And so, look, the Lord directs your paths. God promises some things, and, and God promises to lead you. He promises to warn us when we're about to step on a landmine in your life. His word is alive, it's active, it's sharp. And you know the world doesn't understand this. That's why verse 30, for all the nations of the world seek after the things before, the, the things of, of just taking care of their temporal needs, and God provides you with everything you need. For all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your Father knows that you need them. But seek His kingdom, and these things will be added to you. Now, this isn't a funky health, wealth, and prosperity gobbledygook stuff. Now, we've got to recognize that's a temptation of Tulsa. You realize we come, we live in a world where there, in a part of the world where there's a stronghold of a health, wealth, and prosperity teaching. That if you follow Jesus, you're always going to be healthy, wealthy, and prosperous. And the Bible doesn't say that. John 16, 33, Jesus said, I told you these things, that in me you may have peace. In the world you'll have trouble. But take heart because I've overcome the world. We've got to recognize that, that God is calling us to a, to a faith that is real and, 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 and a life that is focused on following him. And, and, and when, you, when you think about 
the, the strength that God provides, it's in a moment of weakness, that's when we're what? According to Scripture, when you're weak, you are strong. And that's a fascinating principle in the Scriptures, that, that sometimes when we feel like we're in a situation of, of weakness, and if you find yourself there today, I want you to recognize the Bible says that you are in a position of strength because you are recognizing, God, I need you, like David did in Psalm 131 in our reading today. Like, like we're seeing in Israel that people need him every day. We're to never forget that we need the Lord every day. It's actually when you think you're strong is when you're in danger. That's why I want to challenge you, and I've pushed you, our church, to this many times. You ought to be able to rattle off 1 Corinthians 10, 12, and 13, just, in a, just right now. You ought to memorize 1 Corinthians 10, 12, and 13 because it says this, if you think you're standing firm, be careful so that you do not fall. And it's, it's in those moments that we think we're strong. We got it together. We're in our own power. It says, hey, be careful right there if you think you're standing strong because no temptation has seized you, verse 13, no temptation has seized you except what is common to man, but God is faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you can bear, but when you are tempted, he will provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. And, and you know, here's the thing. God promises us that we don't have to live in fear, but he's going to warn us. He's going he's to guide us. He's going to lead us. He's going to tell us when we're about to fall off a cliff or, or walk on a landmine. His word is going to speak to us. And even when we mess up, He's faithful to help us. First John 1 9, if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just. He will forgive you, cleanse you from your sins and, and forgive your sin and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. First John 1 9. But I, but I just want us to just bring this to a point that God has promised us, promised to give you the strength, give all of us the strength to face anything that's coming. Don't miss that. Don't miss the power that God gives you. You don't have to be ruled by anxiety and fear. You don't have to, to, to hit the panic button in your life. You can learn to calm your mind and calm your life. And, and as you sit with the Lord and as you recognize the, 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 the power of his word, and that's why I think it's important to connect that dot today with the power of his word. Because as I look at that, it comforts me and it reminds me, the Lord, you see us every step of the way and you are with us. And I want you to know when the Lord is with you, who should you fear? That when we hear about Luke 21 and we read our Bible and then we look at the news and go, oh my goodness, this is awfully similar. That we recognize, Lord, this motivates us to invest in kingdom work. To pour our lives in the, in the kingdom. Because we remember verses like Isaiah 43. You know Isaiah 43, right? Love that passage because it talks about it's, it's a message to the people of God. And you know who we are as Gentiles that have been forgiven. We are grafted into that, that calling of, of the, that, that title of the people of God. And it says, but, but, but now this is what the Lord says, He who created you, O Jacob, who formed you, O Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. I love that. 
When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. For, for I, the Lord, I am the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. He's saying, I'm, I'm going to be faithful to you. I'm going to walk with you. I'm going to give you everything you need to stand. You know, it's interesting in the Bible, there are 365 fear nots in the Bible. That's interesting. That's one for every day of the year. And I want to, st- I think God, all through His Word, is trying to help us get the message that He's going to help us, He's going to strengthen us, He's going to support us when we feel overwhelmed. And you know, that's important for us because as a church, we. Just, just do the math. We will face, we face a trial every week in the life of our church. I got to tell you about something that happened this week, Thursday. I preached the funeral of a lady that none of you will ever, you probably don't know. Her name was Vera Meredith, Brad Mowry's aunt, Steve Mowry's aunt. John Mowry's sister. She's been in our church for several years now. She's been at Baptist Village. She's not been able to come, but she's connected with us digitally and all those ways. And, and um, you know, four times a year, I'd get a card from her. Sweet Vera, Chris, I'm praying for you. I appreciate you being my pastor. We'd go over to her house in a little apartment at Baptist Village. Paul would take his guitar, and he'd sing. I'm more of a rapper. She wouldn't let me sing. But, um, but you know, she, just a lovely lady. I preached her husband's funeral several years ago, and then hers Thursday. And, you know, our daughter came from New York City, and as we were meeting last Tuesday or Monday, um, she goes, I've got to tell you what happened in the, in the hospital. The, the doctors had come in and said, hey, look, there's really nothing else to do. And, um, and they said to her, Vera, do you want us to just stop all treatment? She's like, yeah. And uh, it's okay. It's okay. Are you want to call in hospice? Yeah, let's do that. And they knew it was going to be not long. And, and you know what the nurses in the... In the, in the um, critical care area said. They said, would you do hospice here? Would you not go anywhere to do hospice? Would you do it right here? And they said, we have never seen anybody face death with as much confidence as you. Would you stay here and do it? I said, sure, sure. And then she died, I think, literally hours later. I mean, that is a woman that trusted Jesus. And let me tell you something, that kind of faith, that wasn't mental illness. Because let me tell you something, that woman was with us every second. And I want you to recognize, even in your dying day, here's what God does. He gives you the strength, the power, the grace, He gives you the confidence to face 
that day, even your dying day. So can I tell you something? If God's going to do that on your dying day, God will do the same thing any day and every day. That's the power we get as followers of Christ. That's the blessing of getting to walk with him. That's why when it comes to anxiety that's paralyzing our culture, you don't have to worry about this. You don't have to let that paralyze you because seeking God is always your greatest opportunity. Seeking the Lord is a great opportunity for you. It's the greatest opportunity you have. And, and, and you know, you may be here today or watching today and you're not, you're not a follower of Christ. I got to tell you something that's just really honest. It's not automatic to have this kind of confidence. You need a faith in Jesus. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 said it's by, it's by grace that you've been saved through faith. This is not of your own doing. It's a gift of God. It's not by works so that no one can boast. You can't earn your way to this kind of confidence. It's a gift given. It's a Holy Spirit empowered. It's, it's a, it begins with that relationship with God as he grows you up in your faith, as he, as he helps you grow as a follower of Christ. And so, if you don't know Jesus, I, I got to tell you, you need Jesus more than you need the next breath that you take. I got to, I'm thankful for the Mission Center. We, we did a golf tournament on Friday, and, and I'm thankful that Brendan let me get up in front of all those men, some, many I didn't know, some I knew. And I got to look at them and say, hey guys, thank you for supporting the mission. Let me tell you about the mission we point people to the gospel message. We help people in this community that are in need. Hey, you're in need too. You're in need of a Savior. And, and, and you need Jesus more than you need the next breath that you take. I think I summarized it like that. I, at least that was what was in my head. I don't always remember what comes out of my mouth. But, but oh, you need Jesus. And no matter who you are, no matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, if you'll come to him, he'll save you. For those of you that know Christ, open your heart to his leadership. Stop following yourself. Follow him. In your business, in your home, in your recreation, in your school. Get into his word, but then do it. Do what his word says. Um, you know, we're going to have an invitation. And you know what we need to do? We need some people coming to pray for Israel. We, we need to pray for Israel today. Um, maybe you're, you need somebody to pray for you. We're going to have our prayer team. Those that are on our prayer team, would you all come and gather around the room? We have men and women that are going to be around the room willing to pray for you, pray with you. And, you know, here's the thing. We need the Lord. You need the Lord. You need him every day. And it's okay to have somebody that just says, would you just pray for me? You don't have to air all your dirty laundry with somebody. That's why we have men and women up here. You some of you ladies may want a woman to pray for you. Just push that guy out of the way and say, I need to pray with her. No offense. None will be taken. 
Let's, let's go to the Lord. Let's pray for Israel today. Let's turn our face to the Lord today. Um, I, I want to just make sure I don't, well, we, we need to be done. Let's turn to the Lord today. Would you stand where you are? Father, we give you this time. And Lord, there's so often I get up to preach and I I have in my mind what I want to say. But in this moment, I pray that your word would just speak. Lord, we are to be a people that build the kingdom. You invite us to the kingdom. I pray that we would not be anxious about our lives, but we would have investments that last. Father, I pray for Israel right now. As these things are unfolding, we see it in your word, and I pray that this would move us to action, to building a church right here that takes a stand and that it is effective in discipleship and evangelism. So many in our businesses and in our, our customers and our coworkers and our classmates and our teammates, they're lost. And Father, I pray that they would see in us a faith that is so real that it causes thirst and it shines a bright light. Father, may our church be faithful to build a bright light here that your, your Holy Spirit would work in us, that we would learn to give and we'd learn to serve. Father, move us to your will as a body. Move us now. If there's somebody here that doesn't know you, I pray that today would be a day they see you. In Jesus' name, amen.